0: This is the Starting Good Podcast. I'm Alex Gramling.
1: Her family had um, been in Chicago for about two and a half years, and they were refugees from Burundi. And, um, you know, she'd only had some schooling, but because of her age, when she arrived in the U.S., she was put in high school. And so um, it was really challenging for her.
0: High school for any teenage girl can be challenging. But Blair Bretschneider says there are unique difficulties facing refugee girls new to the U.S. Bretschneider is the founder of Girl Forward, a nonprofit that matches refugee girls to mentors, tutoring, summer camps, and other educational support programs. The need is significant. Every year, tens of thousands of refugees flee persecution and violence in their home countries and come to live in the United States. Once here, says Brett Schneider, refugee girls must learn a new language and assimilate into the United States educational system, oftentimes while shouldering traditional housekeeping and caregiving responsibilities for their families. Trying to keep up in school can be overwhelming. Brett Schneider started work after college at a refugee resettlement agency in Chicago, While there, she began tutoring a teen refugee girl whose challenges and determination became the inspiration for Girl Forward.
1: One day, the program manager asked me to work one-on-one with this one girl named Domi, who was in high school at the time, um, who was really struggling. She was 18. Her family had um, been in Chicago for about two and a half years, and they were refugees from Burundi. She had grown up in a refugee camp in Tanzania, and, um, you know, she only had some schooling, but because of her age, when she arrived in the U.S., she was put in high school. And so that um, was really challenging for her. And so I started t- tutoring her after school at the after-school center, but because she had so many responsibilities as the oldest girl in her family, Um, She always had to leave early and she got there late because of when her school ended and so we really couldn't get very much done and so I asked if I could go and work with her at her apartment and I got permission so I started meeting with her at home and really started to see everything that she was dealing with in terms of being the oldest girl in her family with all these younger siblings and her mother was working and so she was in charge of Cooking dinner, cleaning, taking care of her younger brothers and sisters, and meanwhile was trying to just do her homework and get through school. So as soon as that sort of started, I knew that there were other teenage girls probably facing the same things that she was, and so a co-worker and I started this small after-school group for other refugee girls whose families were being served by that one agency. Um, And so we would meet on Fridays after school, and it was very casual. We didn't really have a lot of structure, but we would just sort of talk about, you know, what they were experiencing, practice English, do some fun games. We had some guest speakers come in and talk about health-related topics, and that was going really well. And as soon as we started that, those other girls were asking for one-on-one help, and I was seeing what was going on with Domi and how she was really benefiting both from having a mentor and... From this group of girls that were supporting her. And so I wanted to combine those two things and really, you know, provide girls both with the one on one support they needed, but also a community of other girls and mentors who could support them. And so that's where the idea for Girl Forward came from.
0: And how long did you run this smaller group until you turned it into a full fledged nonprofit?
1: We started it in, I think, April of 2011, and so it only really went on for a few months before, I mean, that summer was when I was really making all the plans, and then grow forward, technically, we started in in August of 2011, so it really just kind of turned into that pretty quickly.
0: Describe some of the challenges that your students face. Are they like uh, Domi in many respects, or do they all come with uh, unique circumstances and challenges that that, uh, you help them with?
1: There are definitely things that are different for each girl, but in general there are really five main challenges that we see um, refugee girls facing, and those are poverty, the language barrier, um, limited or interrupted education, um, a need for role models, and social isolation. So those are really the five biggest things that are faced by all the girls, regardless of where they come from.
0: And describe more about the specifics of the program. How do you identify girls now for the program and match them uh, to to mentors and educational programs?
1: So we get referrals for girls um, in a few different ways. The Re- refugee resettlement agencies, which are responsible for you know, um, setting up apartments, doing job placement, a lot of like the immediate services and basic services that families get when they are resettled here. They'll give us referrals for girls um, for the program. So that's one way. We also have contact at the schools with other community based organizations. And then lately we've also, um, you know, in the past year there's been more word of mouth. So girls have brought friends into the program that otherwise might not have, you know, heard about us. Um, and so, we do sort of, like, an intake process. We interview the girls, find out, you know, what they're interested in. Some girls will be really interested in the mentorship program, um, and so we, you know, we match them with mentors based on primarily just location, um, like transportation and scheduling and things like that. Um that will also take, like, interests and things like that into, into consideration, and um, And then some girls will mostly just come to drop-in tutoring or events here and there. So it's really up to them how involved they want to be.
0: We should back up and talk about some of the specifics of your program. You started with homework, help, and and basic tutoring. Uh, Is that still the foundation of what you do, or what other needs and and programs uh, do you provide?
1: So primarily it's education-focused. So we... We do have our center, our program center, which um, is part of what we call our Safe Spaces project. So girls can come in and do homework and you know, use computers, read books, things like that. But our mentorship program is really sort of the the strongest um, part of Girl Forward as well as camp. So our mentorship program matches girls with mentors, and they do homework together, but it's also really focuses on um, goal setting. And so they do goal worksheets, and they meet at least once a week for about two hours um, for at least a year, and that's year-round. So that's one of our core programs. And then Camp Girl Forward is our summer program. So after the, the mentorship program was the first thing that we started, and then I had sort of realized also in working with Domi that there were not a lot of opportunities for refugee girls during the summer there's summer school through the public schools but not everyone qualifies and it's like more or less helpful (laughs) um and so and you know there's camps in Chicago but they're very expensive and they're pretty competitive and difficult to you know to get access to and so um camp was something I wanted to start from the beginning and we started that in summer 2012 and so that's a summer education program so Girl, we have this year. We have twenty-three girls. They meet four days a week from nine to three, and we have a teacher and two teaching assistants. And it's focusing a lot on reading, writing, and research, and filling a lot of gaps um, caused by limited or interrupted education. So we do a lot of U.S. history, um, you know, because we have a lot of girls who, like I said, with Domi, they came here when they were teenagers, and even if they only had sort of, like, a second-grade education, they get put in high school, and so when that happens, you don't learn, you're missing out on, you know, things you cover in middle school, which a lot of times is, like, some U.S. history, like slavery and the Civil War, and then you get to high school, and everyone's talking about the Civil Rights Movement, and you don't understand why that exists. Like, if you don't understand that slavery happened, it's really difficult to understand So we do a lot of that in camp and try to fill some of those gaps that the girls have.
0: And how long are girls with you? How long are you mentoring them?
1: Um, We prefer that they would be in the program for four years. So ideally, we would match a girl with a mentor freshman year, and she would stay um, through senior year. And we have some girls who will have that by the the time they graduate. Um, But we also leave room for a few girls to join as sophomores, juniors, seniors, because, you know, depending on when they're resettled, they might already be a sophomore. Um, and so, you know, the longer the better, but we try to sort of leave room for for different situations.
0: How are you dealing with issues that impact your educational mission? You mentioned issues like poverty um, and, and other things outside of the classroom <laughs> and outside of your mentoring mission that certainly impact how a student does in the classroom. How do you deal with those issues?
1: We definitely have to sort of overcome some of those challenges. I'd say, like, for example, we I recently found out that through our program director, um, she was reading through evaluations from our mentors that our girls, are most of them are not allowed to bring textbooks home. And because the schools are really under-resourced and they can't let students take textbooks home with them so we have been looking around you know online at buying textbooks to keep at our program center so when girls come here they can have textbooks most of our girls don't probably some of them but a lot of them don't have you know reliable internet or computers at home or they're just sharing maybe there's one computer and the whole family has to use it and so we have laptops here that they can use So we try to just have the resources that maybe they don't have at home or at school so that they can come here and use them. Um, Another thing is transportation. So during the summer, one of the other reasons why it's difficult for girls to participate in programs is because during the school year, if they go to CPS, they get um, transportation. They get CTA cards that they can use to get home and get to school. But during the summer, that goes away. And so for girls participating in camp, we give them an unlimited um, transportation card to use in public transit so that they can get to and from camp. They can also do other things. So, we have girls who will come to camp and then they'll also volunteer or do a summer job or something. And so, we sort of figure out what the gaps are and try to
0: fill those. How much do your mentors need to know about the home country? and the culture of the girls that they work with, and and do you help the mentors in that process of cultural understanding?
1: Yes. So our program director, she does orientation. First she'll do a phone interview, then she'll do an in-person interview and training with a potential mentor and then usually a group training, um, and talks a lot about just refugees in general and then sort of goes through the populations that we serve. Um, and explains maybe what they might have experienced and then a lot of times the mentors will just learn even more when they're matched with one of the girls we, I mean usually we don't have any mentors who speak the same languages as the girls that we serve because they're not, I mean it's not like Spanish or French for the most part it's languages that we just don't learn over here and so um, that's not usually a factor but um, but yeah I think a lot of our mentors would say that they have learned a lot um, just sort of as they've become more involved with the girls in their lives.
0: You're obviously, you're filling a need. Uh, how is this need met in other places? What are you observing uh, in the public schools that they are or perhaps aren't doing with this population?
1: There's, you know, there's some support that's offered. There's special tutors in Chicago public schools up in this neighborhood or in the neighborhoods that we have girls in um, because they have to. So they have like special refugee tutors. Um, and so, and they work with the caseworkers as much as they can, but there's just so much going on in Chicago and with the schools that, you know, it's difficult, I think, for them to focus on a population that, by comparison, I guess, is sort of small. It's definitely a minority, and so we, you know, there are definitely some gaps. Um, we actually just set up something where we're going to be going to one of the city colleges, which is the community college system in the city of Chicago, um, and there's one campus in particular that a lot of our girls go to, and we found that the staff and the faculty at the city colleges are not necessarily equipped to deal with um, refugee students. They don't really understand where they're coming from, and so we are going to be going to one of the campuses to sort of do an orientation on like cultural competency and explaining backgrounds and things like that, which is really exciting because we've been working on that for a while. And as more, you know, 100% of our girls that we've graduated since we started have gone to colleges and a lot of those have been the city colleges. So the more girls that we're sending off to college, the more important it is that they be prepared to, you know, understand their students.
0: Blair, tell us about some of the girls, maybe one or two in your program. What are what are some favorite success stories of yours?
1: Sure. Well, obviously there's Domi, um, who was the first one that I mentored, and she is now you know, in college. She goes to one of the city colleges. She's working part-time. She uses a bank account, which seems like a pretty minor thing, except that no one in her family had used a bank account before. And she's just really grown into this amazing, independent young woman who, when I met her, could barely figure out, She was really nervous to take the train by herself. And now she is supporting her family. She has just grown so much. Um, Another recent one, so one of our seniors, this, uh, well, actually, she was a senior now. She just graduated from high school. She joined our program in fall 2012. And right off the bat, we could tell she really wanted leadership opportunities. She was brand new. She came from Ethiopia And fortunately for her, she had a pretty good grasp of English because she had the opportunity to learn when she was in Ethiopia. Um, and so, but she was new in her high school and just no one was really hooking her up with any leadership opportunities or things that she could do. And so she joined Girl Forward and we connected her with another girl program called Girl Up, which is through the United Nations Foundation and is, um their focus is really sort of encouraging girls in the United States to advocate for girls education and empowerment in worldwide and especially in developing countries. And so she got involved with that organization through us and we helped her, we encouraged her and helped her apply to become a teen advisor. She got picked, she got to travel around the country in her senior year and um, just really blossomed and, she is going, she's our first girl that's going away to college. So she's going to a college in Wisconsin um, in the fall. And we're really, really excited about that. Um, and that's it's the kind of story where, you know, she had all this potential and just, she just needed people to sort of give her information and connect her to resources. And if Girl Forward hadn't been here, she probably would be okay, but maybe wouldn't have had all the opportunities that she ended up having.
0: Let's talk a little about yourself. Now you uh, went from really being an individual tutor and mentor to running a, a small business, a nonprofit. What's that been like for you? What's been uh, most challenging in making that transition?
1: Um. Well, that's a good question. I I don't know. There's. I mean, I'm pretty good at learning things as I go. So. I kind of wanted to do this and I did a lot of research and luckily I had a lot of people supporting me and encouraging me as we got started. Um, I think the hardest thing is that even with all of that, I can read and learn as much as I want to and go to every professional development event that there is. But the, the things that come up, um, that are difficult are, n- are not things you can prepare for. Um, last year, I had to talk to a girl who was, her family was trying to have her have an arranged marriage right before she was supposed to start college, and we talked through it, and it actually worked out, and she sort of had a discussion with her parents about why this would be a negative impact on her education in the long run, and it all worked out okay, but that was not something I could prepare for, or... Um, so things like that. it's Just, I guess, trying, having to come up with solutions to things that there aren't online articles about is always difficult.
0: What parts of the job have been most interesting or fun for you that you hadn't perhaps done before?
1: Um, I hmm. Let's see. Well, fundraising is sort of how I got into this arena. I mean, I studied journalism, and so. I writing grants was something that came sort of easily to me and I really enjoy getting to sort of see how that process works and like just understanding like all the networking that goes on and how one connection with one person can lead to, you know, a big grant or supporting a certain part of the program. It's just something I didn't really know before I started this. Um, and it's really exciting that you can just go to you know, a luncheon or something one day and sit next to someone and have a brief conversation about Girl Forward, and then we get a check in the mail. <laughs> so usually, that's kind of my favorite thing.
0: Well, that's terrific.
1: <laughs> Not always, but it happens sometimes.
0: What, uh, we talked about different aspects of your job. What's the best part for you? What do you enjoy most?
1: I just love seeing how much the girls take pride in girl forward and how excited they are to be here. This program is a choice. They don't, you know, no one's forcing them to sign up and it's very little things. But like we have a girl who after camp will stay and just organize our, we have these floor pillows. Some of them will sit on the floor during camp and she organizes the pillows and she puts things away and like decorates the bulletin board. Um, and, you know, they wear their t-shirts with, they love, you know, Girl Forward. And I think that is really exciting. And also because it means that it's grown so much since when I started it. I know, I, it's really nice to see that there are girls who now just see Girl Forward. They don't see like, oh, this group that Blair does. And early on, that's kind of how it was because I just knew this core group of girls. And now, you know, we have myself, we have our program director, we have interns. And some of our new girls don't even really know who I am, and that's the best (laughs) feeling because it means that, you know, this organization is something they identify with. It's not just, like, me doing something.
0: And so in terms of your growth, how many uh, students have you served so far, and how many are you uh, working with this year?
1: Since we started, we've worked with over 100 girls in some capacity. Right now there are 23 girls in our summer camp and um, 20 in our mentorship program. There's a little bit of overlap there. I can't think off the top of my head exactly how many, but we just, we just graduated seven girls, and so we'll be adding new girls to our mentorship program in the fall. Um, and our goal is to be working with 100 girls every year um, going forward.
0: And, of course, you're working largely within the Chicago area. Do you see uh, this idea uh, germinating and, and growing in other parts of the country?
1: Definitely, we are planning to launch our summer camp in another city by next summer. So hopefully, that will go as planned. Um, because the idea is that we want Girl Forward to be replicable in other cities that have you know refugee populations in the United States.
0: You're a young person who's taken on a pretty entrepreneurial idea and had some initial success. What advice do you have for other people who might have uh, uh, idea for a social venture or a nonprofit? um do you ever mentor others who are interested in following in your path
1: sometimes i i think my advice is usually first to just make sure that no one else is doing what you're trying to do i would never have started girl forward if there were a similar organization because it's just not worth it there's a lot of nonprofits out there just a lot and so you know, if someone's already doing it, it's better to collaborate and sort of figure out how you can support another organization rather than start one from scratch because it's a huge endeavor. But there wasn't anyone, you know, this, we're the only organization doing what we're doing. Um, and I would say, you know, you have to put in a lot of research, um, be prepared to give up your life. No, <laughs> um, just spend a lot of time and work really hard and um, you know, I did this as a volunteer for a while and worked just another job before this was my full-time job. And that's kind of, you know, you can't expect that you're going to make a lot of money doing good things, but <laughs> it should be something rewarding.
0: And what's been most interesting or surprising for you in working uh, with this immigrant and refugee population? I'm assuming you didn't know a lot about uh, them or these girls before you started, what have you learned?
1: Well, I've learned a lot. Um, I would say something surprising to me, um, probably just because I, I had some assumptions when I started meeting you know, early on, um, is how supportive their families are of their education. Um, because I think, at least I assumed and i think a lot of other people do too that you know their girls their families probably have some very traditional thoughts on what they should be doing that they shouldn't go to college and for some girls i mean i think they face pressure to get married maybe younger than other like american teenagers do Um, but for the most part when we go and we meet families who are signing girls up to be part of girl forward they really want them to go to college to have careers Sometimes the difference is showing um, the girls and their families what that means in the United States. So, you know, there are certain roles that girls play. And because of the way our system is here in the United States, it can kind of get in the way. So, you know, girls are sometimes are expected to do a lot of the caregiving and, you know, cooking, cleaning, a lot of domestic things. And the family, like that's one part of it, but the families still want them to be successful in school, and so we, some, you know, we sometimes have to help them navigate those two roles and help the girls figure out how to balance them. Um, but I, I, I was just pretty, I was surprised to to really learn how um, how supportive a lot of the parents were. We don't really have to fight a lot for the girls to, you know to do their schoolwork or to do well in school. The parents really want that. That's something that
0: they really value. I'm interested uh, in other aspects of their educational experience, uh, uh, socially, for example. Uh, Do the girls talk to you about that? Are they interested in in assimilating and and just being part of the social life of American teenagers as well as their educational uh, experience?
1: It depends. We have, I think... There are a few factors that sort of play into that. Um, Some, I mean, sometimes it's just personality, but also girls who were resettled when they were younger. I feel like we see them have more American friends, Um, but it also kind of depends on the girl. There's also some interesting sort of like racial, ethnic dynamic. um, Being in the Chicago public schools, we have right we have a pretty big African population. We have a lot of girls from Congo from. Rwanda, from Ethiopia, in um, Western Africa. And it's interesting to hear them talk about being in school and how they don't identify with other black students at their school who are African-American because they have such different experiences and come from very different cultures. But in the eyes of, you know, sort of like the public, they sort of get put in this group. And so that's really interesting to sort of Hear the girls talk about that and how they're dealing with that, um, and so that's one one piece of it. Um, and there's just you know there's a lot of cultural differences in general between you know first of all American students, our girls from other countries, and then urban students in the public schools or charter schools, wherever they go. So there's a lot that they have to deal with, um, and they definitely I feel like most of our girls definitely want to sort of fit in um but fortunately i i think a lot of their schools are so diverse because we live in these neighborhoods that are so diverse and so they don't i feel like most of our girls don't feel too pressured to really give up um you know any religious or um cultural beliefs or values that they have which is a good thing
0: we touched briefly on your mentors earlier uh, talk about them how do you identify them and train them and and how do they get involved in your program
1: a lot of our mentors find us online so they'll be searching for volunteer opportunities they'll find our website um, and they come to us that way we also had a really big influx of volunteer applicants last fall because we were on cnn heroes and people found out about us on tv and uh, wanted to get involved and then referrals from other mentors so we've had some mentors who have told people at work or friends about grow forward and have signed up most of our mentors i'd say are in their mid to late 20s um and are women who have some international experience whether they've just traveled abroad during college or spent some time you know traveling um there's a lot of like international interest that they have and so this is sort of something that is interesting to them because they can do it in chicago um but still have that interaction you know i think a lot of people who are interested in other cultures it's hard to find that sort of volunteer experience here but it's like it's local but they can still feel like they're doing something international
0: and for people who may want to learn more about your organization or get involved what should they do that's blair Brettschneider founder of Girl Forward. Thanks for listening to Starting Good. You can find all of our podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and at our website, startinggood.org. I'm Alex Gramley.